I grew up in a southern um, Pentecostal church to where all my aunts, um, they sang the three quartet um, songs and, you know, we sat in hard pews and dad would preach for hours and hours and hours and hours it seemed like. Y'all wonder where I got it from. He used to go long. But um, I know every one of us at some point in your life has gotten close to or you have experienced a revival. But what happens is a lot of times we distance, we get a little space between us and it, and we forget what revival is or what it can do or what really God is doing. Revival is not something that happens outside. So, revival is something that starts on the inside. It's, it's the word revival. You know, we evangelize. We go out and reach people. It's evangelism. Revival starts in here with us. That's the ones that once were. God does it again. And so, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about revival. And... Before I know I can get into revival, I really felt like today getting started into it because some of you may say, Kerry, I don't need a revival, I need a rescue. And so I want to talk about the process of rescue first this morning. Because you think, well, I can get all fired up and excited about God on the inside, but it's not changing what I'm actually going through on the outside. And so I want to jump in with this this morning and I'll read a couple of scriptures because, you know, I know there's so many of us. How many of you guys were on the fast with this this week? Man, thank you guys. Give these guys a big hand clap. It, they Fasting for breakthrough. In the natural, even on the outside, I know coming into this season right now, this is about the month we all walk into that we're thinking, my Lord, I'll be glad when summer's over. I mean, you guys have already started thinking that. I was out working this week thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so, I'll be so glad when fall gets here. And um, it wasn't just a few months ago that I was sitting there freezing thinking, my goodness, I cannot wait for summer to get here. But, you know, usually they call it the dog days of August. We're going into the August season here. And, you know, usually we're, we're tired of the season we're in. And that's one of the greatest killers of revival is not understanding that the season that you're in is not going to last forever. God does things in seasons and His seasons always have order. And what happens a lot of times is because we, we get so involved in the season that we're in, a lot of times we can't see far enough ahead to realize that seasons don't last forever. As sure as the sun rises, the Bible says. So if you got up this morning and the sun came up, surely there's going to be seed time and harvest. That is a season that changes. Now, these aren't in my notes, but I'm going to pull up real quick if you don't mind, guys. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25 uh, in the King James is like the way I like it written because I believe there's a lot of us here this morning that feel this way in this season. And so it says this, and it, it says, And he shall speak, and this is making reference to the uh, spirit of the Antichrist here. The devil says, And he shall speak great words against the Most High. Now, I've had the devil speak lots of words to me before, like, Man, this is the way it's always going to be. I'm never going to be able to change this situation. I'm always going to be like this. I'm always going to feel this way. I'm always going to... You know, anytime there are... There are negative definites in your life. You need to understand that's not God's voice. God always has a positive definite. He says, I will always be faithful. I will never leave you or forsake you. God has positive definites. If you have negative definites, it's not God. You can just take that to the bank. So, but he shall speak great words against the Most High, and then this is where a lot of us, I believe, are this morning, and shall wear out the saints. I mean, you guys are feeling that way this morning. You're feeling a little worn out of what you're going through, the season or the battle or the situation you're dealing with. You need to know something. The enemy's trying to make you feel that way. And he has a purpose behind it. He has a purpose. It says this, 
to think to change the times and the laws. Now, in another translation, it says to think to change the times and the seasons. The law it's talking about there is the seasonal law of sowing and reaping. And so the devil wants to make you think it's going to be summer always. Now, how many farmers we got here? How many people got things planted in your yard? Yet, and I, I'm the world's worst gardener ever. Every year, me and the girls, we plant stuff. And every year at this time, it's without doubt, at this time, I don't water them enough and I let them burn up. Right now, I have dead tomato plants. Right now, I have dead watermelon plants. Right now, I have dead spaghetti squash plants, Chuck. They, are, they just burned up. I just didn't keep watering them enough. And it's just gotten hot and it's gotten dry. And they have died up. And the sad thing about it is this. We still have a lot of reaping in this season to do. But because I got so busy in this season, the harvest that God wanted for me to have I'm missing out on. Don't get so bogged down into a season that you don't think it's ever going to change. Because the devil would love for you to get to a season and get stuck there. So today I want to talk about just for a few minutes what I call the order. How to make sense in a senseless season, I guess is the way to say it. If you're going through something that doesn't make any sense, you're going through something and you don't understand why God is allowing it to do it this way. If you're going through something and it's, it's like you just, it doesn't, you, you can't figure out what to do. I want to talk about how to make sense in a senseless season. Luke 24, 13, we're going to go there and I'm going to read just a minute and you have to bear with me because I want to read this whole story because it's a phenomenal story. But um, then we'll jump on. In verse 13 it says, And now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emanus. I, I know I didn't pronounce it right. You say it how you want to. <laughs> Emanus or whatever. Emanus, whatever. Which was seven miles from Jerusalem. I'm glad he drove that out so I don't have to know pronounce that out there. It says, and they talked together all the things which had happened. So it was while well, they conversed and reasoned. Now, before we get to the message, this is, I just want to pull this out. They were, there were two of them. Which is a good thing, because life was not meant to live alone. God said it's not good for a man to be alone. So in your season, if the devil's trying to pull you back, what he's doing, he's trying to isolate you. He's trying to get you alone, because he can always go after the lone one easier than he can. The Bible says the devil goes around seeking, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may. May is permission or has, abil- or has permission or has a chance to. Can has ability. It didn't say can devour. He doesn't have permission to, but if, if you let yourself get pulled out by yourself, there's an opportunity that the enemy can. All right? And so you need to stay with two. I always go back to the story where it says when they put Paul and Silas into the cage, into the jail, they messed up. Because it says it put them in the cell. I do believe that if they would have separated the two, the enemy would have had a lot bigger chance of getting them discouraged there. But he took the, the jailers messed up. He put both of them in a jail cell together. So I don't know at what moment or when both of them got on the same page, but I'm sure it went like this. I can't believe we got locked up. The other one said, I know, but you know what we can do while we're here together is we can start praying because it only takes two or more. And then they began to sing their songs, and that's when the thing started shaking. That's when the gates up. They messed up. They put them in the cell. Saying that to say this. Anything you're going through, don't go through alone. There's power in numbers. We want to put a thousand, two will put ten thousand. But here, the next thing I just want to point out is this. You better make sure who you're in it with. Because you can go through the right things with the wrong people. Now that's not an excuse for divorce. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this. These two, the Bible said, were walking and talking and reasoning. They were walking, talking, and reasoning. In other words, they were telling each other what they thought about it. You know, everybody's got an opinion. I've learned that. I've got lots more than one, just about everything. <laughs> and a lot of times, Jennifer looks at me, Cricket says, says, Cricket, I don't want your opinion. I want to know what we need to do. 
These guys were walking and they were talking. The Bible says in reasoning. They were thinking about all that had taken place. You know, you can get yourself in trouble with your thinking. When you're going through a situation like you're going through, you know, a lot of times your thinking is just flat out wrong. A lot of times my thinking is just flat out wrong. So what do I do? I have to find out what God said about it. If I find out what God said about it, instead of me trying to figure it out, the Bible says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, your own reasoning, your own thinking processes, your own way of doing it. It says, Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your paths. It says they were sitting, they were walking, and they were reasoning. Let's read. It says, And together, and together, all these things which had, they were talking a reason, talking about all things that had happened. All right, and Jesus, in, in verse 13, 15. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went to them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And it said, he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? I know, you, let me tell you something. I can tell who you hang out with by the way you talk. You, 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 I can tell where you're from by the way you talk. My girls, when they go to school, they get made fun of all the time because everybody says, y'all aren't from here. And that's whether they want people to know it or not, when they open their mouth, their accent comes out and everybody knows those are Arkansas girls. And so you need to know, Jesus appeared here. They didn't recognize him. He said this. He said, he said what in the world are you guys talking about that's making you so sad? Let me let you in on a secret. If you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with um, worry and fear, check out what you're talking about and how you're talking about it. Because what you say has an effect on you. What you say has an effect on you. The Bible says that your tongue controls the direction of your life. So i got to be honest with you. You know, there was a... I, I was shocked. I would, got to meet with Pastor Kilpatrick the other day, and uh, we were talking, and he said something. I said, that's like that old preacher joke. And I thought Pastor Kilpatrick, him being the pastor that he is, knew every preacher joke in the world. And he said, what joke are you talking about? So you may have heard this, and I'm going to tell it to you, because I made Pastor John laugh. And he said, I said, you know, it's when the guy... Um, the uh, rascal of the city died. You know, he was the bar and ripping us off, the womanizing scoundrel. He had died. And uh, his brother came to the preacher and said, hey, we want you to do my brother's funeral. And I'll give you $100 if you will say that he was a saint when you get up in the pulpit and talk about it. And the pastor was like, what in the world? I, I know him. I know everybody knows him. If I get up there and say he's a saint, everybody's going to know I'm a liar. But the preacher wanted the $100. And so he went and he thought and he thought and he thought. And so when he got up to do the eulogy, he said, you know, oh, John, he was a scoundrel. He was a lying, cheating, stealing, womanizing, just scoundrel. But compared to his brother, he's a saint. <laughs> so he got his $100. I say that to say, you can always find something good to say about somebody. So if you want to walk around and talk about sad things, you can. You got the choice. You got, you got that. But you can also decide to speak life into situations. Speak life. And hopefully by the end of today, you'll have some life to speak in your season. But let's go ahead and go. It says, so it was while they were conversed in reasoning that Jesus himself drew near and went to them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you would have with one another as you walk and are sad? And then one whose name was Cleopas 
answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word, before God and all the people. And now the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, everybody say, We were hoping. But we were hoping that it was he that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished, um, early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that he had also seen a vision of angels who was alive, who he was alive, and certain. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And then Jesus, and then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart, I believe in all the things the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in the scripture the things that concerned himself. Now, isn't that cool? When Jesus preaches, he preaches about himself. It says, Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went to end to stay with them. And now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Real quick, go over to Matthew fourteen nineteen. It says, Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And he looked up to heaven, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. Go to Matthew 26, 26. Then we're going to go. It says, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body. I want to jump in real quick today. We're going to talk about the order. God has an order and a way of doing things. And the way he does them, you need to understand, are always right. He took it, and everything God takes, he blesses it. He breaks it, and He gives it. This order is shown all the way through the Scripture. I like to call it the order of three. Now, God has an order, but it does not mean He's predictable. You'll never be able to predict how God's going to do it, but He does have an order of how He does it. He greatly took it. He greatly blessed it. He greatly broke it. And He greatly gave it. Seventy times in the New Testament, the picture of three exists. There's an order of the way God does things. You know, there is the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the order of three. There is, in the New Testament, written all the way through it, is the order of three. It says there's faith, hope, and love. The Bible says that in the Holy Spirit there is righteousness, peace, and joy. The Bible says that there is death, burial, and resurrection. There is an order of the way God does things. And when you read through the Scripture, the order of how He does things is laid out. And you need to know something. What God is doing in your life, He has an order, and it is planned, and He knows what He's doing. And somewhere in this order, everyone in this room is here. You're either here today, and you've been taken, and you are greatly blessed. Or you're here today and you've been blessed, but now you're greatly broken. Or you might be here and you've been broken and you are greatly given. But every single person in this room is somewhere in this order. Because God works in orders because He does it in order because He has a plan for you. Now the Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. 
You know, I preach a lot of different directions on that Scripture, but I love to know that this is just not a random life that I'm living. There is somebody in control of it. And you need to know this, that if God is letting you go through it, it's because He has an order at work in your life, a process at work, because for you have to, if, it was, if it's going on in your life, it's because the, it takes this process at work for you to be able to get to be or get to go where God has promised you to be. He keeps His promises at all costs. He keeps His promises at all costs. So if you are in the middle of a season or a time or a place in this order that maybe is uncomfortable to you or maybe, maybe you don't understand or maybe it's hard or maybe you don't see what's going on, you need to know, God don't stop in orders. He has a plan. And until the Scriptures are fulfilled in your life, He's still at work. Because it says He will faithfully complete the work that He has started inside of each one of us. But we want to talk today just a few minutes about being blessed, being broken, and then being given. It's an insight into the way God does things. And all the way through the Scripture, it's there. You know, it's one of those automatics that no matter how hard you pray about, you can't stop. I talked several weeks ago about the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God is something that happens in life that you have no control over because He's in control. And no matter how hard I pray against the sovereign will of God, I can't stop it. Now, I got a choice to get to be a part of it because when God's sovereign will is when He, when, now that He has a sovereign will, what He does, He uses people to fulfill it. Like He knew, he, he said, Jesus is coming. And the minute He said it, it couldn't stop. He was sovereign. So when Jesus came, there was a young girl named Mary that decided she would be used in the sovereign will of God. Which brings us to the next will of God, the moral. The way you live determines whether God, God can use you. There's the sovereign will of God, the moral will of God, and then which brings you and positions you to the personal will of God in your life. There's an order at work in your life. And the sovereign will of God is this. He's going to make you the best you can possibly be. And He will not give up on you till He does. And the things that God allows in your life aren't to break you. They're to bend you to your knee. So that when you get to this point, you have to reach up to Him. There is an order at work in your life. I've got to be honest with you. I'm scared to death to run from God. I've read in the Scriptures how those that have done it, they found themselves in the belly of a whale. Or those that have done it have found... I've found myself in those messes in my life and it was because I would try to do it my way and get out of God's order for my life. I would knew God, God was tugging and pulling on me to go in a direction, but I, I didn't want to. I was afraid to. I thought I'd mess it up too many times and then I would try to pull away and I'd find myself in a place that, man, I regretted even getting because, you know, a lot of people don't realize when you're in a whale, there's two ways to get out. And thank God Jonah wised up quick enough that he got to go forward instead of backwards. Because he was coming out. But he got to choose when and how. And so a thing about our life is that we get to choose which way we're going to go. The only thing more powerful than God's will on this planet is your will. Now in heaven, God's will is supreme authority. On this planet, you get to choose whether or not you let God do it in your life or not. But there is an order. And it's, it's the order of God at work in your life. And the thing about God's order is it's automatic. Now in Acts chapter 10, the Bible talks about the iron gates opening. They open by themselves. That actually comes out of a word, uh, automatic, automaios is where that Greek word comes from. Meaning that it could not stop and it did it on its own. God is automatically at work in your life, whether you want to or not. The scripture says that, you know, it is impossible, for nothing is impossible for God. So it says, is nothing is impossible for God. That means God cannot sit on the side of the road and do nothing in your life. Nothing is impossible for Him. Whether you want Him to or not, He's there. Whether you want Him to or not, He's at work. Whether you want Him to or not, He is working on your behalf to make you what He called you and created you to be. He's not a mean God. He's not a wife beater. He's not sitting in heaven wearing one of those white t-shirts, I mean, one of them white uh, tank tops with stains all over it just waiting for you to move and then thump you on your head and then the bad boy song kicks in. He's not a wife beater. 
He's not a child abuser. He pays his child support. But he sees things in you that you can't see in yourself. And so he's got an order at work on your behalf. And it's automatic. Now, what happens is this. A lot of times, we don't understand the order of God. Or when we get in the heat of a battle or get in an odd season, we don't see the order that he's trying to do. All we can see is the season. All we can feel is the heat. All we can feel is the situation we're in right now. I was hanging siding on the side of a building last week and thought, my goodness, it's going to be hot forever. And then I thought, how stupid am I? It's not going to be hot forever. In just a few months, I'm going to be wishing for this heat to come back. But we have this way of seeing things and thinking that this is going to be the way it is. You need to know this, that the order of God, and He shows His order in three ways. There's always three processes in your life and always at work. So you're either in this season right now in a great time of blessing. And if you are, man, that is awesome. I love that season. The season of blessing is so amazing, but it also carries a great responsibility. Because what happens in this season, people very few, very few people change in good times. God knows this, so he has an order at work in our lives, so he wants good things for his children. So he's brought about a season of blessing. But you need to know this, that if you're in a season of blessing right now, there's a season of brokenness coming. And when season of brokenness comes, what you learn in that season will prepare you for the next. We real, a lot of times think that the blessing season's the best season. It's not the order he put here. He said he first took it and he blessed it. The blessing is the simplest season God can do in your life. People don't change in blessed seasons. Then it says, and he, once it got into his hands, he broke it. Now that sounds rough. But the thing about it, without the breaking, it could have never been given. And the thing about the giving is that's the greatest season you will ever live in. But you'll never get to the given season until you go through the broken season. Now, the third season, the, the, the third dimension of grace is always God's greatest. That's why it says, like when it's the death, the burial, but then there's the resurrection. Alright? The Bible says there's faith, hope, but then it says the greatest of these is love. You need to know something that the giving season is greater than the blessing season. But you don't get to get to the blessing season unless you're willing to go through the broken season. Because, see, if you could go right out of blessing to giving, it would be about you. And you don't have the power to save me or to save anyone. You could not even save yourself. The only way you're any good to anybody is if in a broken season, God becomes God. See, God, God is not only a God of blessing. And the reason why He has an order because we need to know God and we want to put God in our mind a lot of times as God a blessing God. But you need to know something. That God is not just a God of blessing. He's also a God of breakthrough. And if I never got sick, I would never need a healer. And I would never know Him that way. If I never was broke, I would never need a gyra. I'm the God that provides all my needs. I, you need to understand, the broken times in your life is what brings you to a point to be used in life the greatest. Because you will not make it through a broken season alone. You might get through it, you'll lose things, you'll cause things, and you might drag out the other side, but somebody helped you get through that thing. But if in a broken season you will reach up to God, you will walk out of that thing and not smell like smoke. You will walk out of that thing with bondages burned off. You will go through a brokenness and God will become God. And so there are the seasons and the order of seasons that God's at work. The thing about it is this. God's got to take you through what you're going through to get you to where He promised you would be. You have not arrived yet. God has much greater things ahead of you. I don't care what age you are in this room today. If you're here, the word of the Lord is your latter will be greater than your former. And that happens through a process.
Even in Genesis, when God created the garden, He could have made trees spit out trees. He didn't. He made trees spit out acorns. Which takes a process to become a tree. Everything God does is in the form of seed. And it always comes through the process of you being taken, you being blessed, you being broken, and you being given. The Bible says, lest a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it bears no fruit. And you say, Cricket, why are you giving us this beat up message? Because I want you to understand. The process of God is for your good. It is to make you, not to break you. It is to create in you a purpose and a destiny that you can't do on your own. So, what do we do in these seasons? How do we get to know God? Well, looking at this story, the Bible says there were two of them. First of all, I don't advise anybody to go through a broken season alone. It is human nature to draw to yourself. I look at my life and the most broken seasons I've went through there were many I pulled to myself and they cost me dearly. And I lost dearly and I did a lot of stupid things during them. But then I look back at the seasons where I would grab hope to somebody to help me stand and they would help me get through these. Even David, David the giant killer, got himself in a spot one day. The Bible says he was fighting a giant and another a giant got in, they were fighting, fighting, fighting. He grew weary in the battle and the giant just about killed him. The Bible says backed him into a corner. It says, but his buddy, Abishai. I like Abishai. He's a bad dude in the Bible. You should study him. Stepped in between him and David and he slew the giant. David would have died that day if he didn't have the wisdom to have strong men a strong friend. But the process was like there were two of them. Now, the Bible told us one of them's name was Cleopas, which is odd because when you, when you study the name Cleopas, it actually comes back to the meaning of glory and praise. This guy knew Jesus. He'd walked with Jesus. He wasn't one of the twelve, but he was considered to be one of the disciples. He he had traveled and, and watched Jesus do what he did. And his name was Glory and Praise. You need to know this. You can know Jesus very well and still find yourself struggling on some bad days. There's been a lot of days I've known Jesus and I struggled. A lot of days when I was going through what I was going through and... I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew what I was supposed to be. But I couldn't make myself do it. When life gets so bad that you can't be what you're supposed to be, what does that mean? What does that say about you? That says this. Exactly what these boys said. When Jesus walked up, He said, what are you talking about? He says, we had, past tense, hoped. Have you ever been through a situation that was so bad? Has life ever been so hard that it made you lose hope? I tell you, when you lose hope, it's the most dangerous place in the world you could ever be. The devil gets up every day trying to position you into a place where you can't see a light at the end of the tunnel, where you lose any glimpse of this situation getting any better. And then when you get yourself into a situation like that, the enemy is there to take it. If you give him a second, he'll take up. They say this, that you can live 40 days without food. You can live three days without water. Three minutes without air. Three seconds without hope. I don't know if you follow the, the pop news, culture news, but David Spade made a statement the other day, and I don't even know if he knows the Lord, but he made a statement. He says, you know, if she could have just lived two more minutes, talking about his sister-in-law, the purse designer, I know she would have been okay. But she had a two-minute dark spell. And she couldn't see her way out. When you get to a place, when the enemy backs you into a corner when there's no hope, what he's after is your praise. See, this is Cleopas, which means praise, glory. Because you got to know this. As long as you have a praise in your mouth, the devil cannot defeat you. As long as you can find something to praise God about in your season, 
your season will turn if you can just hold on and keep that praise in that situation. I don't care how big those jail bars seem. I don't care how heavy that load you're carrying is. If you can keep a praise. But see, the devil is after your hope. That's why he tells you there's no way he can ever change. There's no way they're ever going to give you that raise. There's no way that doctor knows the answer to that cure. There's no way that this is going to situation is going to be different. There's no way you're ever going to get out of this debt. There's no way. If he can get you convinced that there's no hope, he got your greatest weapon that God gave you. He got your praise because as long as you can keep a praise in your mouth, you cannot be defeated. But Celibus here, he, he got to where he, he couldn't be what he was. He lost such hope. He, life had gotten so bad. I, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody in here, but I remember the days when it was so dark that I couldn't find hope. And i got to be honest with you, the only thing that kept me going was I would play songs in my car, even though I didn't feel them. I would play songs in my head, even though I didn't feel them, because if I didn't have hope, what I would try to get was faith. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing. So when I didn't have it, I would have to hear it. And I would hear it until I got it. And once you get it, you begin to say it. And you begin to praise. And praise will keep you from getting into a situation where you can't get out of. You say, Cricket, you don't understand. I actually fight mental illness. You You don't understand. I actually have fought that in my family as well to the point of suicide. And I'm here to tell you, because we never quit praising, we got out of it. We never quit making our breath do what God gave us our breath to do. The season changed. Now, there were two of them. They lost their hope. And what happens is when you lose hope, it means you can't recognize God says that Jesus was walking with them and he did, they did not recognize that it was him. Do you know why? I believe one of the first reasons why they didn't recognize him is because they watched him die. They watched the guards take the whip and beat his back and rip every shred of skin and muscle and tore every part to where the Bible says his inner bowels hung out. They watched the soldiers punch him in the face and beat him to such a pulp and rip his beard out of his face in such a way that he became unrecognizable. They watched him take a crown and press it on his head that was supposedly, history says, had poison in the thorns to make his head swell five times larger than what a normal head would be. They watched him drive the nails in his hands. They watched him drive the nails. They watched him take a spear and stick it in his side. And the Bible says blood and water flowed, meaning there was no life left in this. They watched Jesus die. So they couldn't recognize God was still there. Have you ever went through something so bad in a situation that the enemy will let you see something die so bad? that you can't even see how God could raise it back from the left? Is your marriage in such a place that you can't see God at work in it anymore? Is your finances in such a place that you can't see God at work at them anymore? The reason that is is because the enemy wants to show you what you've lost. I'm sure they, the, the Bible says they were walking and they were talking about the events that had happened to Jesus of Nazareth. I'm sure they were talking about, did you see how hard they hit him? Did you see how hard he fell? Did you see them put the tomb over the rock over the tomb? Have you ever had a dream die so bad that there's no possible way for you to see how God could resurrect that thing again? When the enemy makes you think that you've lost so much, there's no way. What happens is he positions us in a place for us not to be able to see God at work in our life. But you have to know, nothing is impossible for God. He majors in resurrection from the dead. Every dream that he's given you, if you can make it through the broken you will see it resurrect. Every relationship that you have, 
If you can make it through the broken, keep a praise in your mouth, you will see it live again. Every relative, every friend, every hope. If you will understand that there is a process that God's at work in your life for. You say, well, Cricket, he sure does seem mean. Oh, no. You got to see the bigger picture here. God's at work at a bigger picture in your life than you can imagine. See, do you know why? These were Jewish boys. And they thought, the Bible said, you, you read it, they said they thought he was going to be the one that comes and raises their nation back up. They thought that he was, came, he was the Messiah, and they thought that he was going to come and release the Jewish people from the Roman control that they had. But see, they did not see the bigger picture. They thought he was going to come in and take it by force. But Jesus did not come just for the Jews. He came for me too. And I'm here to tell you... He knew what the bigger picture was, even though they could, they said, we thought He was going to be the one. They did not know He was going to do it for everybody. His, the picture God has for your life is so much bigger than what you thought He could do through you. And if you don't see that God's plans are greater than your plans, then yes, you will walk right alongside of what God's doing and not even recognize it because you say, this is so bad, there's no way. But when you realize that you're greater, the Bible says no eye has seen, no ear has heard, or even entered into the thought of man. You have not even imagined the things that God wants to do in you and through you and for you and with you. So the brokenness has to be great. Because what the brokenness does is gives God an opportunity to stand up in your situation and say, He couldn't do it, but I can. And if I'll do it for Him, then I'll do it for you. And when you make it through what your brokenness is, you become given. You become a testimony. You become something that can reach back over into the gates of hell and grab another family member or grab another marriage or grab another cancer patient or grab another person that God has been trying to get to save and he couldn't because we get stuck in our brokenness and can't see that God's working on our behalf all along Joseph said I mean Jacob said you were here the whole time and I didn't even realize it God was here the whole time you need to know this God is here right now he's in your situation he's working on your behalf if you are broken don't you worry he is a expert mender he can fix whatever your situation is but the only reason why he would allow it is because he's bringing you to something that he can use to change the world with so so he said can people not recognize him why why didn't they recognize him because they were looking at what they lost and they weren't looking at what was going on. They were looking at what Jesus had done. They weren't looking at what Jesus was doing. If you look hard enough, you'll see He's doing something right now. They should have recognized it. The Bible says everything was there for them to see Him, but they didn't because they were trying to see it in the natural. But see, a lot of times, I'll be in a dark situation... Like the other day, we had a bad storm and the power went out at night. And my little girl, Isla, she has a nightlight in her room. And when she, when the thunder, boom, and the power went out, she began to scream. And I couldn't see where I was going, but I could hear her screaming. And I'm a daddy that loves his kid, and I didn't want her to scream. She was all right, I knew she was, but she was scared. And she was screaming, so I said, Isla, I'm coming. And she started saying, Daddy. I said, Isla, I'm coming. She couldn't see me, but she could hear me. These men should have recognized who he was because he was talking to them. A lot of times we start trying to look for something besides what's going on when you need to be looking for what God is saying. Said he would talk. They had been with him for years. They knew how he talked. There's an old song that revivals were built off of. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. You know that hurts you. I was singing in a mic. <laughs> but he was talking to them about him. And they couldn't see it was him. He was talking about the suffering that the Scripture said He would go through. And they couldn't see 
that it was him because they were looking for God to do something instead of listening for God to say something. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You may not can see God right now, but you need to get to a place you can hear God tell you something. You need to hear him say when you get that cancer report, I shall live and not die and declare the glory of the Lord. When when your heart is broken, you need to declare God is closest to the broken hearted. You need to say when there's no money in the bank, my God shall supply. You need to hear what he has said because it don't take but one word, one word from God. The centurion said, said, no, no, come on, I understand authority. Just say the word. The word will change you. The word will change your situation. The word will get you through. If you don't have any other hope, the Bible says thy word is a lamp. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel if you'll just open up his word and find out and hear what he says about your situation. They should have recognized him because he was talking. They should have recognized him because of the way he was acting. They knew his mannerisms. They knew how he moved. But I understand, we go through things sometimes that, go, that seem so bad, we, it makes us think that God changed. God must not love me as much as He used to or He would never let me go through this. God must not care about me like He thought He did because uh, you need to know something. Your situation cannot get so bad to change God. But if He's allowing it, if you're going through it, He put that situation there to change you. And He only changes things for the better. He turns tadpoles into frogs. He turns caterpillars into butterflies. He only changes for the better. And if you can't, what you've got to know is this. This situation did not change him. It's changing you. And the way you let it change you is you just got to start looking at it differently. Don't let... This situation make you something that you're not. And i got to be honest with you, it's sad to say, but not every good Christian makes it through bad times. The Bible says David, when David was in Ziglag, it says they, they came and they raided his camp and stole his family and killed everything, burned his house down. It says he got, when he got home, it says he fell on his knees and he cried till he could cry no more. I've been there, right there before. And he said, God, what do I do? And God said, he heard God say pursue and you will lose none so he heard God and he got up and he took his men with him and the Bible says as they were going they came to a river called Bezer which means a cold running water and the Bible says 400 men put their toe in the water and said whoa that's too cold for me and it says they gave up on their families and they gave up on their their livestock they gave up on everything because it got a little cold a little hard the journey wasn't as easy as they thought what happens to us a lot of times is we start thinking that God should do it some way or we think we know how God's going to do it or we think that God did it for them like this and so we get our minds made up on how God should do it and then what happens is when we start getting through it and we get our foot in a little hard cold situation we think God's given up on me or God God changed his mind. God don't change his mind. God changes us. And if them soldiers would have realized if they would have got in that water, not only would they have gotten clean, not only would they have gotten refreshed, but they would have came out with a new zeal and an energy that only cold water could have gave them and they would have ran after those enemies twice as fast as they walked into it. God was going to use that cold water for their good. But not everybody did. 400 of his men turned back that day. I mean, he said, don't turn back in your, in your brokenness. If you're in a broken season, the Bible says weeping lasts for night, but joy comes from the morning. There, there are two theological views, and I'm closing. Two theological views. We'll go deep, just say there's, there are people that believe in the Messiah ben Judah. It's a picture of Christ that says it's Abraham. He's the God of blessing and prosperity. And this thought pattern, you know, a lot of people pattern their life after this and they became name it, claim it people and that's where the prosperity movement come from and, you know, they, they're all about blessing, blessing, blessing and that's an okay theology until you wake up and your world falls apart. That means the God of Ben Judah decided he didn't like you anymore. But then there's the Messiah Ben Joseph.
that says he's the God of Calvary. The God of suffering and pain. The problem with that one is neither one of them are theologically correct alone. God calls for us to be balanced. And yes, there is a Messiah. Jesus came and he died and we can be blessed. And he greatly blesses us. And then we go from blessing at times to broken. And God uses the broken because he has greater things for us than blessing. Because then when we're greatly broken, he takes us and moves us to the given where we become such a walking, talking testimony that He gives us back to the world that when the world sees us, they can only see Him. You need to know there are seasons. Now, Philippians 4.11 says this, Now that I speak in regard to the need, for I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. Paul had realized... That when he's blessed, man, no God's in control. When he's broken, man, no God's in control. And when you're given, man, no God's in control. That's hard to do. That's hard to do because the only way to do that, you can't do it with your natural eyes because circumstances will look the exact opposite. You have to do it with your supernatural eyes that can see into the spirit world and realize if God said it, He'll do it. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. You find somebody that can't praise, you find somebody has no hope. If you have no hope, you cannot have faith. So you have to keep a praise in your mouth about your situation going on. You have to understand that this is just a process and God doesn't stop prematurely and He never does an unfinished work. He will complete what He started. And so you keep praising. And then you keep walking. They should have recognized his voice, and they didn't. Maybe they spent so much time watching God do stuff instead of hearing what God was saying. If you're looking for just God to do something and you're not listening for God to say something, you're going to find yourself in places. I love to see God bless people. But I like to know it's going to happen before it does. How many of you guys have ever been watching the shows of the, like the Bible code and those things and it says uh, 9-11 was in the scripture in a code the whole time? Have you all seen those things? I'm always like this. Why didn't they say it? Why didn't they see it beforehand? Why didn't they see that that was going to happen beforehand? If it's in the Bible code, I'm not knocking the Bible code. I'm just saying this. Then the Lord, I was kind of complaining and griping at Jen about one of the shows like that the other day. And she said, Cricket, the Bible does tell you what's going to happen beforehand. Every one of those promises is what's going to happen beforehand. And it just changed the way I look at the Bible code. I said, you know, that's right. If the Bible says it, and I'm not there yet, it's only a matter of time. The Bible code is faith. The Bible code is faith. You find what the Bible says. And if you can't see it yet, you believe it till you see it. And that is faith. There was a reason why the Bible says the just shall live by faith. He didn't just put that in there as good talking. He actually means for us to live that way. And so we live by faith. Now, closing with this. They didn't recognize him because they were trying to look at him and they had lost so much that they, I believe that they couldn't see it was him. And so, how did the story turn? This is what the Bible says. The Bible says they constrained him to stay. They begged him to stay. They were worried for him that if he goes out at night, something would happen. And it says he came into the house and he said to eat. And he said this. It says when he took the bread, he said he blessed it. He broke it and he gave it. It says they recognized that it's Jesus. What does that mean? That means even though they couldn't see him in the situation, even though they couldn't recognize his hand at work, even though they couldn't pick him up in his voice toner, they were able to see him in the process. When they saw, they had seen him do it two other times. When there were 5,000 people with great need, he took it, he broke it, he gave it. 
He took it, He blessed it, He broke it, He gave it. When they were sitting in the upper room, and they were about, He was about to go, he was, he was trying to show them what He was about to go through. He took the bread, He blessed it, He broke it. David, they saw the process. They saw back in Moses how God took Moses, put him in Pharaoh's house, made him a prince, blessed him, took him out of Pharaoh's house, put him in the wilderness, broke him took him out of that now and was able to use to, for his purpose and his will and his destiny to lead the children out. Gave him. They saw him in David. David, he was, he came, Saul came and anointed him. Blessed him. He was anointed to be king. Killing giants. Blessed. Given the king's daughter. Blessed. Then Saul got mad at him and broke him. Put him in caves. Scrounged him for his life. But it wasn't but about 15 years later. God put him on a throne and gave him to the people who was the greatest king recorded in history for the city, the nation of Israel. God wants to use you greatly so if your brokenness is great it's because His use for you is great. He wants to take you. He wants to greatly bless you. You will go through a season of brokenness. And when you're broken, understand that He's not going to leave you this way. He will not let you go through anything you can't handle. There is a coming out. And when you come out, you will not be the same. You're going to be something He's going to be able to put in people's lives that will change their destiny and their eternity. Now, a lot of times, because we get going through this so many times, we, we don't realize that there's purpose in it. Say, so, well, this is just something i got to endure. i got to be honest with you. If I wasn't going to get something out of going to the dentist that would make my life better before I walked in there, I wouldn't go to the dentist. I do not enjoy it at all. I mean, I can go get stitched up. I do it all the time. I, go, I've had, I don't mind going to see regular doctors. I, I, for some reason, I can see they do me good. But it's them dentists, the ones getting their hands down in my mouth is gross. And I have a, but I know this, if I'm having a pain and I'll go through the process, the plan is when I come out, it won't hurt anymore. So you got to know why you go through what you're going through. Philippians 3.18 said this. It says, Yet indeed I also counted all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not, giving my, not, giving, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now this is why you're going through it. That I may know Him. Don't waste your mess. Don't waste your brokenness. You can go through this, and I'm here to tell you the process of God is at work. You will come out of it. But you don't have to get all out of it. You can Paul said this, while I'm going through this, I want to get something out of it. I want to know God better than I knew Him before I went in. Because when I come out of this, I'm going to be more for God than I was when I was blessed on the first of this thing starting. If God is allowing me to be broken, God is wanting to use me greatly. So I'm going to use my brokenness to push me to my knees. And so instead of crying out to everybody else, I'm going to cry out to you. I'm going to talk to you. And you're going to walk with me. And you're going to talk with me. You're going to care and you're going to count. You're going to come into my situation. I will not go through it alone. The Bible says when the children of Israel, the three boys, Hebrew boys were thrown into the fire, they were looking for Jesus to show up. Because the Bible says, we believe God's going to deliver us. But if He don't, I'm still going in here. They were looking for Him to be there. They were hoping that He was going to change this situation. And they walked in believing that there's no way God would let them go through it if it wasn't for their good. And when He got down there, check this out. You need to see this. It never said they recognized God in the fire with them. But it says the devil. It says Nebuchadnezzar was the one that looked into the fire and said, there's four people in that mess. If you will let this situation that's broken is push you close to God, what will happen is this. The devil will hate the day 
that he came after you and tried to do something in your life. Do not waste your pain. Do not waste your brokenness. Make the devil regret the day he decided to come and take. Because God will not let him win if you keep a praise in your mouth, you keep a brother on your arm, and you keep your eyes on the Word and not on the situation. When this thing turns, the devil will have to pay more than you ever had from the beginning. It's all the way through the Scripture. So I'm going to close with this. It's a process. You going through this right... And I'm not telling you something that I've done right every time. I've went through a lot wrong. And God's been faithful through every one of them. And let me tell you why God was faithful to me through them all, not because I'm good. Because I stayed sure I was connected to the church. I'm a big advocate of the church, not because I work for a church. If you fired me today, I'd be in church this morning. Because the Bible says that upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. I have deserved to lose everything. I've deserved to be cast out. But the devil never won because I stayed connected to the church. He can't win if you stay connected to the church. But also there are times that I went through things right now and I said, this is not going to break me. This is going to make me, God, I want to know you. If I get nothing else out of this but to know you more. That scripture says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he does in me through these times makes it for me to be able to do things that I never would have been able to do without him. And what I allow God to do in those seasons, it makes me. Now, it is a process. And the devil, he's going to hate the day that you praise your way through this thing.